Hey friends, you're listening to the Hope and Heart Bills podcast where we are exploring the intersections between racial justice and pop culture and pursuing practical insight about social change. I'm your host, Andre Henry, and joining me is my co-host, Trishis. How are you doing Hello, today, Hello, everybody. <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. I think there's a lot going on. Yeah, I don't know. I think I am feeling especially frustrated with the government today. I mean, every day is a good day to feel frustrated with the government. Mm -hmm. But um, I think after watching the TikTok hearings and just being like, what are you talking about? Like these, these people have no idea what they're talking about. And they're just like making really crazy accusations and there it's just like really like xenophobic and xenophobic um and you know doing all of this in the name of protecting children and then there's like the 189th shooting of the year mm-hmm. in Nashville yesterday right and Rewatching, I rewatched some of the TikTok hearing footage this morning, and it just made me even more mad. So, <laughs> being so like, what who, are y'all doing? So, for people who don't know about this, what did the TikTok hearings about? So, Congress had a hearing to determine essentially whether or not they want to ban TikTok in the U.S. Mm. and They were really, it was supposed to be on the grounds that um, China could get information about U.S. citizens. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of what they were asking about and talking about was the, how, how TikTok is harming our children. It just seemed like they were just grasping for anything. And it's like, you know what's harming our children is uh, AR-15s. And so it, so it's, it was just really frustrating to watch that footage yeah. again after another school shooting. So, yeah, today I am feeling, I'm feeling, um, feeling some anger. Yeah, I mean... From my background, one of the one of the things that stands out to me is that we always talk about how oppressed communities and children are there. There is a such there is such a thing as, you know, I think some people do call it childism or whatever. But basically, there is a hierarchy where, you know, we we do say that children um, I mean, they, they live un, they live under the control of adults. And that's not entirely a bad thing. But in some ways, we do step in on their agency, right? And people make these arguments in all kinds of realms of culture on the assumption that children cannot make decisions for themselves. um, They can't advocate for themselves. um, And the downside to that is that adults take it, we're seeing adults take advantage of that in so many different ways in culture. Like on that assumption, you know, saying, well, the the children can't speak for themselves. So we're going to make all these decisions and use them (laughs) um, towards our own ends. And so what I was going to say is that, you know, in everything that I've read about social movements, they talk about the importance of oppressed people 
um, advocating for themselves, right? Like, or at least being the voices that we are following, right? And so what I think of right now is like the March for Our Lives movement, you know, the students that survived that shooting in Florida. I can't remember the name of the school right now. Um, is you know, that the Parkland? Yes, Parkland. So these were students and they they formed their own organization, you know, to fight to change, you know, this culture around guns and how they're not being listened to. It makes me think of Ron DeSantis in Florida, you know, trying to ban these school curricula saying, oh, our children are being indoctrinated. And we see the children being used, <laughs> you know, in this way. And they, what I'm trying to say is that they become this convenient group to advocate for because yes. of the assumption that, you know, they don't have a voice of their own. Yes. Right? Actually, I, I, I talked about this book last week. Um, I, I recently finished it um, mm -hmm. in White Tears, Brown Scars. Ruby Hamad calls this the Lovejoy Trap. And it's a Simpsons reference, I think, that okay. I like don't quite know, but it's a way to um, deflect from a cause is mm. to be like, but what about the children? <laughs> and it never actually has to do with the children. Right. Of course not. Um, so, um, but, but I, I will articulate the Lovejoy trap um, better at another point because I would like to talk in full about that book on an episode yeah. and like maybe even have her on there. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it, it's, it's just all a, um, just seems like it's all, it's all a mask for whatever they really want it to. It really is. And one thing that I'm thinking of is a conversation I had with a civil rights elder last year. And, you know, cause we were talking about with my day job with the racial justice Institute, we were talking about doing um, some more programs with, with youth and with children, because what I've, what I've learned with trying to organize adults for nonviolent direct action is that once people are into their 30s, they I think that oftentimes they feel like they have too much to lose to do the most radical, the more radical actions that actually like inter disrupt power because, you know, they're like, wow, yeah. I have kids, I have a wife, I have a job, I don't want to lose all that kind of stuff. And all that stuff is valid, you know, like yeah. even during the civil rights movement, there were people like, I'm not going to be out in the street if my boss catches me on the evening news, you know, in a in a in a picket line or something like that, I'm going to lose my job. So anyway, what the civil rights elder said to me is, you know, we have a saying, Andre, uh, and that is no talking about us without us, you know. Mm. Um, and that was really interesting and brings me back to the, you know, partly what I was, the point I was make, raising before is that like, and like you were saying, like, it's it's just highly problematic, you know, for children to be used in the way that you just mentioned to deflect from the issue right. here because if we really cared about children we would have all kinds of policy changes you know yeah <clears throat> yeah and then i saw like a tiktok of kids in japan just walking around just not worried about kids. just just not worried about getting shot at school yeah, and yeah. and the idea that they have decided as a collective that it is their responsibility to collectively take care of 
all of the children. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was it was disheartening. Yeah. Well, I understand. Disheartening. How are you doing? Doing all right. Just moving into Hollywood. Um, so I'm in the process of moving. That's why if you're watching this on the video, that's why my camera quality is so poor. My actual webcam is somewhere in one of the bags in moving is my new such apartment. a pain. Yeah, I don't love it, which is also why I try not to just have I just try not to have too many things in life, you know, so that when I'm moving, you know, I don't have that much stuff to yeah. to to move. Right. So the moving and to you move the apartment, around a lot. I do. I do. Yeah. I, do, I actually don't like signing leases because I'm like, I don't want to commit to being anywhere for a year. Um, but uh, it's good for my creative process to have, you know, a stable place to sleep and work out of. So, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind I'm of like the, the opposite. <laughs> I'm like, I'll be in Los Angeles. You will find me here. <laughs> to, yeah. In my home, most days. Yes. <laughs> um, other than that, I'm just working on the next single, you know. Um, eh, next month, we're dropping a song about around mental health. And I'm just getting that stuff together before we start uh, to start promoting it soon. So, Amazing. Yeah. Did I get a preview of that song? I was that the one you sent me the other day, or no? Was it a different? No, but I did okay. do it at my birthday party. Okay. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I did do I'm it at excited. my birthday party. Well, we have a good show. I, I I was about to say we have a great show for you guys, like we're on SNL or something. But I do think <laughs> we have an interesting conversation to have today, and we'll we'll get to it right after the break. I got Hello, we are back. You just heard a song of mine called Venom, and it is available on all streaming platforms. Um, And in it, I talk a lot about how anger is projected onto women of color. But today... Uh, I did not know that that's what that song was about. Well, you know what's funny is that I wrote that song thinking I was angry. And I look back at that song realizing that I have just been told my whole life that I was angry. So by the time I actually released it, it had a different meaning to me. What did it mean to you by the time you released it? By the time I released it, it meant that I was putting on a character of being an angry brown woman. Oh my gosh. It was... Like when I, when I sing it now, it's almost like I sing it sarcastically or like tongue in cheek. Mm -hmm. But when I wrote it, I, I genuinely thought I was angry because people tell me I'm angry all the time, which is like, which was really hard for me to deal with because like, I'm kind of just like a silly 
fun person who yeah. happens to like think and talk about things that are difficult. Mm -hmm. And so like white men particularly telling mm. me that I am angry all the time really convinced me that I was angry. This is and like then I realized perfect. I'm not. <laughs> this is like perfect for what I wanted to, what I wanted to talk about today because I I relate in a lot of ways because I just think that people who are or or represent colonized groups are often not supposed like culturally within the common sense of the uh, the the oppressor's common sense are not supposed to be angry. Right. Even though like what has happened to us is like and what's happened and is happening to us is infuriating. We're not supposed to be. It's yeah. like this tone policing and gaslighting that happens at the same time. And so it's like the people who have the prerogative of anger and get to express that anger th through violence are supposed to be men, especially white men. And speaking of that, I saw John Wick over the weekend. <laughs> Which is like, have you seen any of these movies? I have not seen any of them. Okay. Please tell well, me what they are about. Um, okay, I'm gonna. This is gonna be a little bit hard for me to tell you what it's about because <laughs> I think I saw the first three in Spanish while I was in Colombia, and while okay. I do understand Spanish pretty well, I understand maybe about eighty percent of what's being said to me in Spanish. Um, okay. What's being said to me now. That's different from actually watching people who are not talking to me <laughs> <laughs> about so a fictional story. Fictional story, <laughs> you know. Right. Like so. Anyway, from what I can gather, oh my gosh, there are going to be some John Wick fans that are listening to this. Like, why are you even talking about <laughs> this if you don't really? It's my because understanding we're not that John Wick experts. We are just really good at seeing social dynamics. In pop culture. That's what so, we're here to offer you. Exactly. So John Wick is apparently a part of an order of assassins. And when you get a when you get a hit from these from you you have to do it. Do you know? Okay. Like it's yeah. and if you don't do it, then like you're gonna lose something. You know what I mean? Like your dog, your house, maybe your life. You know what I mean? Like oh. the movies are actually really interesting. There's a lot of action if you like action. You know, and I think that's why um, I've never seen them. <laughs> you like action, <laughs> and also the photography. I like phase out when action, like when there are action scenes. I literally like disassociate. <laughs> like I, I I'm not there. I want to say something about that because now I relate. But and the photography and cinematography is really great in the movies too. In my opinion, someone might be saying yeah. right now. I can't believe he just said that. But in my opinion, there are just times when I look at the shots and the settings that they choose. And I'm like, that is just beautiful to look at. Okay. <clears throat> but I'm going through some kind of another phase of political awakening, decolonization, consciousness or whatever. Mm-hmm around gender around masculinity which is not something that i thought i had a whole lot of waking up to do around honestly because i've never been like a manly guy and have not really ever really been interested in um in performing masculinity in a way that others might approve of in some way you know like fitting in to anyone's archetype of masculinity mm -hmm. so 
some, I mean, I have unlearned toxic habits and ideas oh, in, in my lifetime, but still didn't think I had a whole lot to unlearn. But here's, the, so here's the crazy thing. Some of you who follow me on TikTok will know already, probably, probably on Instagram too, that I've been reading about the early men's liberation movement in the 1970s, which was like a counterpart to the feminist movement. These were mostly white men, I believe. I don't think there were many black men, mm. if there were any involved, that mm. were also waking up from patriarchal indoctrination um, and challenging these traditional masculine roles and saying, we also don't want to be stuck in, you know, we also don't want to be stuck in the patriarchal ar archetype. You know, we want to be more than wallets, you know, for our wives and so on and so forth. And that literally is one of the slogans that I'm paraphrasing. <clears throat> So in reading what these guys were saying, by the way, that movement was short-lived, they couldn't seem to escalate beyond consciousness-raising groups, you know, but they did support feminist um, demonstrations. And <sighs> the sad ending of that story is that, you know, the men's rights movement ended up coming out of that movement anyway, <laughs> because one of the founders of the men's liberation movement ended up backtracking in his studies and saying men are actually oh worse off in society than women. But read the early stuff. They were off to a good start. They had some good ideas there. I think Bell Hooks would have been proud of them. Actually, Bell Hooks does write about them, you know, in The Will to Change. So they were on to some good stuff. Anyway, reading this stuff has made, has made me way more aware of just how gendered everyday life is like i think i told you this story i might have said it before i i was going to a, a jam session with my friend ani we got to the door the doorman asked for ids i don't have my id my wallet was stolen in colombia so my id was in there so i take my passport with me everywhere right now but i didn't have my passport that night and so I was, one guy said, why don't you have a picture of it? I was like, oh, you were so smart. And then Ani just gave them her ID. And the other bouncer, the other doorman says, well, she's the smart one. And I, I looked at him and go, hey, man, don't do that. Like, I'm complimenting your colleague over here. Like, we're, we're on peace and love and positivity right now. We don't need to insult the guests at the door. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, oh, you're a man. You can take it. And because I've been doing this reading, I think like, I, that comment bothered me for a good hour, 15 minutes later, where I'm sitting at the yeah. bar and going like, I know that some people will say it's not that deep and that I think first off, there's a problem with people saying everything's not that deep, but <clears throat> I can't, I can't chase yes. that fox right now. Because um, usually it kind of is. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not that deep to you or you do not see the depth <laughs> is what you mean. Yes. But, but for me, I'm like, this is so, is that really how we think that like we can just treat men however we want and they're just supposed to take it, not say anything about it, not feel anything. And like, that's exactly what we tell little boys, right? <laughs> is, you know, shrug it off, walk it off. Don't cry, da, 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 da. So anyway, I have that kind of, that's what my consciousness is going through. So I'm watching John Wick. <sighs> I already don't like battle scenes in movies anyway. 
I mean, movies, TV shows, like Game of Thrones is like one of my favorite shows. And when there are battles, I fast forward because I'm like, yeah, I get I it. Just... Fight, 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 fight. All right. What's, <laughs> give me, just give tell me, me the... who wins at the end of the fight. Like, I don't know why we have to go through this whole thing. You're spending so much money on this fight scene and I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't need all the details. Right. But I I found myself being kind of bored with all of the all of the fighting. And it's a fighting movie. Like, that's what you go for. Like, it's it's the choreography of the fighting and the and the guns and the weapons and all the kind of stuff and the explosions. Like, that's the draw. So maybe I shouldn't have seen the movie, but I saw the first three in Espanol <laughs> and said, I need to know what happens. I'm invested. Right? Yes, I understand that. I understand that. <clears throat> oh. Okay, so here's what I noticed. People, and I never thought about, I mean, I never thought about it this way, but like, there was one moment where this one guy gets shot and he's like running away from someone, some assailant with his daughter. And she doesn't notice that he's been shot until like they're out of the, you know, sometimes there's like a big fight and then the, you got to escape from the big fight and then you get out of there and it's like, oh, wait, but here's the villain. Now the villain wants to fight like that. That moment in between that little lull in between is when like she finally notices that he's been shot, too. But the way that he's been running and trying mm. to escape, you'd never be able to tell. Right. <clears throat> OK, so he's shot. And now he sees the villain and now he's just going to, he's going to fight the villain now too. But I'm like, there was no expression of pain, right? Like, and I know it's an action movie, right? Yeah. It's an action movie. So, I mean, okay, things happen that are unrealistic, but I was just really fixated on the fact that like this man was shot. He didn't even, he didn't even grunt when he got <laughs> shot, right? Like, he didn't even cry. He's not yeah. holding his side. Okay. And I'm noticing this from like, now I'm just hyper aware of what emotions are men in this movie scripted to feel, right? Even there's yeah. one scene, I don't want to spoil it for y'all, but I mean, this is a mild spoiler. There's one scene where somebody... You won't know. You won't know it's coming. So this one guy gets stabbed in the hand. Like his hand is impaled, basically, by a knife. And yeah, he makes a sound. He's like, ah, you know, Arr! something like that. Right. Um, but then, like, once the knife is out, he's fine. <laughs> right. So I juxtapose this. Yeah. Go ahead. I juxtapose this with the guy's daughter I mentioned. Once she's out of the fight and she's on the train, she starts to cry. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm with Ani and I, I lean over and I go, wait a minute. So all of this traumatic shit that these men are going through in this in this movie, like they never have that human moment of, oh, my God, it hurts so bad to get shot in my side, you know, or, yeah. oh, my God, I just I just had to watch my friend die or I just I was just put in a position where I felt like I had to kill my friend or something like that. And like, they don't, they don't have these moments of humanity is what I'm looking mm -hmm. at. And then I asked Ani, is this what women think men are really like <laughs> <laughs> or supposed to be like, you know? Yeah. Be because when I was young, 
I'm talking so much. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, this is this is great. <laughs> Tell me. When I was young, in the white evangelical church, when they when when we would get books about men, and there would be sermons about men, or there would be men's retreats or whatever, they would always bring up these men from action movies. You know, hmm. like so so. At least a part of my experience as a as a man has been some type of interacting with these images of masculinity that are heroic, tough. I don't know what what the other words are, but you know what I mean. Like this these images of mas- these images of masculinity that that I mean that we're still using today have been associated mm-hmm. with ma- with manhood for me. And I also, Bill Hooks writes about this in The Will to Change, about how we live in a society that tells men, do not tell us how you feel, right? And it's not just men, tell, adult men telling boys not to cry. It's also, you know, women, you know, being disgusted at seeing their husbands cry too, you know? Um, well, men are allowed to feel anger. Yes. That is what men are allowed to feel. Um, and there's plenty of that. Yeah. It, it makes me, it makes me think of, of two things. One is, um, in white tears, brown scars, she talks about how part of, um, the justification for Western European and like the white race being superior to other races was the ability for the genders to separate tasks and that women feel emotions and men are logical and like that that's this that's why the the white civilization is more evolved and then I was watching then I was watching a TikTok video of it was like one of those like um, it was like it was a white woman who was sort of defending patriarchy and a white mm-hmm, man mm-hmm. who was mm-hmm. doing who was um on the on the uh, the opposing argument mm-hmm. and he and she basically said you know biologically women are more emotional mm-hmm. and then he goes are they because men are the ones that are are doing the mass the mass shootings mm-hmm. 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 is anger not an emotion and it's just like part of the part of that hierarchy is is this is keeping the illusion of the um the separation of genders like that because then it allows men and especially white men to um to assert that they are logical mm-hmm. and that their anger that their <clears throat> anger is somehow part of logic and not part of emotion well bell hooks talks about how I think it's in We Real Cool, in her book, We Real Cool. She talks about how she noticed that 
And maybe maybe it's more than personal observation, but she talked about how like these images of like the tough guy, the hyper masculine male, usually uh, kind of emerges around wartime. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that John Wick is connected. John John Wick is an example of this, but she talked about how like this this idea that men that we need to allow space or constrict the space for men to feel in a robust way, to feel all emotions, but we need them to have access to anger and capacity for violence so that they will make good soldiers, you know? Mm. Um, and and that's what we need. We need men to be able to be good workers and sol- soldiers. And yeah. if you are a feeling man, you know, in a capitalist society, you might try to bring your feelings to work or to the battlefield. And those things will impede production <laughs> in the workplace. And I don't know what the what the corresponding thing is on the what you would call that. I, I don't I don't know that you call it productivity on the battlefield, but um, <clears throat> but but impede the work of a soldier as well. And so mm-hmm. you see plenty of that in like movies like this. Right. Um, but it did make me wonder. And I'm, I'm going to ask you, you know, uh, as as a woman who dates men. You know, like, and a woman who who talks to, who has other women friends, and you have conversations about men, like, because I was serious when I asked Ani, like, do women really think that men are like this? Like, of course, of course, I think you know we all know that if a man, a, a man who is not f- fake getting <laughs> shot <laughs> on, a, on a movie screen, but a man who actually gets shot is gonna feel it, but that. But do women actually think that men are like this? And do they actually want men that are like this, that don't feel in this way? Does that make sense, what I'm asking you? Yeah, I mean, that hasn't been my experience with men. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I've dated a handful of men who were maybe like that. I have honestly had almost an opposite experience with men Mm. with that because I don't think they have felt allowed to be emotional in other settings Mm -hmm. that a lot of that in romantic situations has been put on me because in what way in the way that I feel like they do not have another emotional outlet because they they do not have the same kinds of friendships as women do. Mm-hmm. So that instead of like me being able to talk about all of my feelings to lots of different people, a romantic partner might not have those um, mm-hmm. outlets of expression except mm-hmm. For me. So now you're like the receptacle for all of the emotions. Yeah. Yeah. I've been in circumstances where um, that's been okay. And that hasn't Mm. been like abused, but I've certainly been in circumstances where I am expected to absorb a lot of emotions. And then you're doing all of the emotional labor. Or at least yeah. uh, an unfair share of it. Uh, it is complicated. Um, it is. But I, I think that dynamic is also 
a symptom of patriarchy, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. they don't know where else they can be that. Yeah. They're not really allowed many other spaces to, to be that. Well, I've heard that a lot of men just don't have a lot of close friends in general. So like when they are partnered, like their partner is like their only friend. <laughs> Saturday Night Live had like a whole sketch about this of like taking their man to the man park, like like a dog park. <laughs> Did you see? Do you ever see that sketch? No, I haven't seen it. But it is. It's very funny. It's very funny. Um, this. It was crazy that when I like when I thinking about these things, because I had been uh, Googling what are the sources of domestic violence? Mm. You know, trying to understand because Bill Hooks especially, you know, seemed to believe that the solution for, well, first off, the number one threat to black women's lives is domestic violence, which is a a very sad statistic for me. I read that in Black Fatigue, a book I keep talking about which is super sad to me, you know, um, especially as, you know, like on TikTok, we have all these conversations in kind of like the, I should say we, I've been spying on the black manosphere on TikTok, mm. kind of slipping into these broadcasts and trying to understand what the conversations black men are having about, about uh, masculinity and all of that. And the word accountability comes up a lot around women. And I'm not, I'm still not really sure exactly what these, what these men want women to be accountable for. As much as I can deduce, it is this sick, distorted um, idea that comes from colonizer Christianity that a man is by divine right, has authority over women and that women are out of line and that uh, women are blaming too much of their hardships on men. Um, the thing that I wish that black men were talking about when we talk about accountability is that statistic I mentioned, that the number one threat to black women's lives is domestic violence. Well, Bell Hook seems to suggest that a part of dealing with that violence is for men to learn to really love and to be able to have more robust emotional lives. So I'd been thinking about that when I went into John Wick. I'm thinking about that as I'm watching this, seeing men literally shoot each other, just grunt and keep going. <laughs> Being like, okay, yeah, I think something's up with this image. But I walk out, mm-hmm. I walk out of the theater and I look down at my phone, check Instagram, and I saw that Jonathan Majors had just been arrested for allegedly... Uh, assaulting, strangling, and harassing his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And my heart just sank. Like, even as I say it right now, like, I just feel so sad that this this news even happened. Like, I still feel like it's kind of unclear exactly what is going on because there are a lot of layers to the story and there have been a lot of developments since I saw it then. But all I could think about was how... Jonathan Majors and Michael B. Jordan had been taking all of these like sweet bromance pictures and he was on the cover of, was it Vogue or GQ? One of, one of those huge fashion magazines and like the pink flowery stuff and doing interviews talking about soft masculinity and all of that. And then like this firestorm over the weekend of the allegations and then even like other directors and people tweeting saying like, you know, that they had perceived him as 
at the very least, not a nice person, you know, but, mm-hmm. you know, others had also used the word abuse for him as well. And I, <clears throat> that just sent me, uh, I don't know. I mean, as someone who, as someone who also like one of my ex-girlfriends grabbed me by the throat one day, I'm like, you know, I don't know, not to just gloss over that. Like, I think that was a part of the layer of me feeling like, oh man, I feel really weird about this, but just feeling disappointed because again, like we, sometimes like I I want so badly for, for there to be redemption for men, for us, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, I just want, you know, and then like you have this hope in this, these figures and then something like this comes out and you don't want to, you don't want to be suspicious of the, of the victim's story, you know, and default to just defending the guy. And I also, I also don't want to jump to conclusions at all. Right. So I know that she recanted, but then that's a whole thing because that often happens, you know, when someone's Mm. under pressure to recant there's the lawyer says that there's video evidence that what she said happened didn't happen i i think i i think if i understood correctly she's like going to a mental health facility or something that they were saying like she was having some kind of emotional episode which is also something that has you know we've heard that story before and then the fact that she's white like there are all these Mm. layers and dynamics at play there it's a lot of layers i think it's I think it's interesting what you said about how he had been sort of publicly grappling with the mm-hmm. ideas of gender. Yeah. Um because I think that goes there there's so much disconnect between our like conscious and subconscious states from like internalizing all of these ideas for so long. Yeah. And like, I've definitely, like I've definitely dated a person who really wanted to like push against gender confines Mm -hmm. who was ultimately like really abusive Mm. within his masculinity towards me. Yeah. Even while trying to like break out of those gender constructs, but like they were the, the things he was doing were essentially like surface level things like wearing different clothes and like, yeah. Um, but at the same time, the fact that he wanted to do those things and was trying to do them in like a really outward facing Mm -hmm. way. But then in his relationship with me, he was still really like sort of violent and aggressive Mm -hmm. verbally. Yeah. And to me, I was like, there is such a disconnect going on here that (sighs) you can't see yeah. That you are still filling in a lot of these gender constructions, even though you really don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really sorry that you went through that, first off. Well, that's okay. Thanks. I mean, it's not okay, but thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you live, you learn. We do, you know, 
I think that, you know, as I'm not, not, I think that it's just, these are just the things that I'm processing as I'm reading through the men's liberation stuff, finishing up the will to change from bell hooks. And then looking at like, and, and just seeing what's coming up in the culture. I think that a lot of people, at least in the conversations I'm listening to, and I'm specifically trying to hear what black men are saying on TikTok, you know, Mm -hmm. because I, because I think that part of what I want to do as an artist is like embody some of that stuff publicly. Um, Mm -hmm. Not the toxic masculinity stuff, but the something that would raise questions about this, you know, this, you know, these, these topics. And, um, that connection between men being able to truly reclaim their full humanity from the patriarchy to truly feel in healthy ways, right? <laughs> like to learn how to deal with these their emotions in healthy ways so that it's not just reactive and like, you know, this pent up frustration, you know? Yeah. F- you know, and some of them their whole lives. I'm thinking of elders in my family who are just in their 70s, you know, being able to name that, yeah, you know, my father hit me over the head with a cinder block. And mm. that was just, we moved on. We moved on from that, you know. You yeah. Know? And just now being able to say, yeah, I'm I'm angry about the fact that my father hit me over the head with a cinder block, you know. Um. But then, but the part, the conversation, the context of that conversation we're having around that is not just how do you feel about that happening to you, but it's like, you're like a jerk. You're a real asshole to us, you know? Yeah. But it's connected to the fact that his father hit him over the head with a cinder block when he was a kid. Yeah. And that's not the only time that he endured that kind of pain and was never afforded the room to really own that right not own it but name it right right um i think that's why we that i sent you a tiktok video like probably a few days ago and i was like the internet loves to watch black men enjoy like white girl pop music (laughs) (laughs) and i was like but i think i think it's like all part of sort of just the pushback of like what what someone is supposed to look like and the emotions that are supposed to be evoked. And I think that's like why we get joy from watching people break those confines. Absolutely. And we need to, I mean, like I'm thinking of like two memes I saw last week and I think I'm going to be seeing more of these in my feed because I'm Googling so much about this stuff. But one was this woman saying like, if a man orders dessert, it's a red flag for her. (laughs) Because real men eat meals. <laughs> that is like one of the most absurd things I've ever. <laughs> and the other, the other one was, um, oh my gosh, this should have been this should have been a game. <laughs> real man facts. The other one was um, only an effeminate man makes noise while having sex. <laughs> Wow. <sighs> Which raised questions for me. And I have been asking women in my life, are men quiet when they have sex with you? Um, but um, 
It reminds me of like all of the like all of the men that were angry about the Rihanna and Yes. Yes. The Rihanna mm-hmm. cover with um yes. what's his name? Is it ASAP that she's married to? We should yeah. be better at this. I think it's ASAP. Right? We were, yeah, but that's who it is. Yes. Yeah. And because he's behind her and he's holding the baby. and They had a whole diagram. Was, <laughs> it was a whole diagram. And someone was like, men, is it gay to get your, <laughs> is it gay to get your girlfriend pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's exactly what we're saying, right? Like everything is gay. If you're, if you're, there's nothing gayer than being a straight man. You know, eating dessert, <laughs> moaning while you have sex with a woman, like enjoying when you don't 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 you enjoy having sex with a woman as a straight man because that's gay. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> right, but I do think that like, and I don't know how to explain this. It's just me trying to listen, and I am trying to understand. But I but Bell Hooks is telling me that there's something about like breaking out of that very restrictive box for masculinity. Mm-hmm. That that has to do that has to do with making the world safer for all of us, right? A hundred percent, and making 100%. us more, making us all more liberated. And the thing I'm concerned about, <laughs> as we should be wrapping up, is <clears throat> is I'm seeing, you know, I'm seeing I'm seeing black men kind of doubling down. I mean, it's not just black men, but. I mean, I already know that like white guys are going to be like, no, like God made man to, you know, be this, that, the other. Like, I'm not surprised when white Christian American men double down on the patriarchy. But I think it's really sad that like you mentioned, like a lot of this stuff was introduced to us through colonization. These Mm -hmm. around like these rigid ideas around gender Victorian mores about gender roles and all that kind of stuff. And I'm seeing that on TikTok, you know, with, you know, this man looked, this black man looked at this black woman in the face on TikTok live last week that I was watching and said, I have authority over you as a man. And he said, a man is the closest thing to God. It's the next Uh, thing to God. (laughs) Right. And I'm like, I'm like concerned. So, Hopefully we can get some better depictions of of masculinity out there and that can help, you know, help more men feel free to enjoy white girl pop music in public, wear your pink frilly jacket if that's what mm-hmm. you want to do. And if, I mean, it doesn't even have to be that kind of stuff, but, you know, what to, to really yeah. reclaim your individuality, your humanity and not feel like you have to, you know, fit into some kind of box, especially not some box that some like... <laughs> white conquistador conquistador or or some horse or whatever the british version of that is you know colonizer i guess you know invented and yeah centuries ago all right you want to play a game yes (laughs) but first we have a break Welcome back. We were just listening to Cotton Candy by Trish's. And now we're going to play a game. What are we going to do? What are we playing? (laughs) Are you ready for 
the culture quiz. <laughs> the what? Next week we're gonna have a, <laughs> next week we're gonna have a sound for that. But for now, it'll just be me doing this. Can you do this it is again? The culture one time, quiz. Though? The culture quiz. <laughs> Um, (laughs) okay i've written down three questions for you okay um that wrap up the things that were in my news feed okay okay number one Mm -hmm. which of the following is not an actual quote from the tiktok congressional hearing a why do you need to know where the eyes are if you're not seeing, if they are dilated. B, if I have the TikTok app on my phone and my phone is on my home Wi-Fi network, (coughs) does TikTok access that network? C, would you agree that TikTok is controlled by the Chinese Communist Party? Or D, how does Wi-Fi work? How does the cloud work? Why is my feed only teenage girls in crop tops? <laughs> oh my god, this is like such a hard question. I cannot tell which one was not said because all of these sound utterly ridiculous, and it just tells. I didn't watch the hearing because I was <laughs> like, I don't have time for this. But it it tells me that these people literally have no idea what TikTok is and how it works. Um, I'm going to guess A is the one that was not said, though. That was said, and it is actually hilarious because he goes, do you monitor people's pupils getting dilated? And he goes, no, the only time we monitor a face is if it's like if it's a filter, like some sunglasses we need to know where your eyes are. And then the guy, the congressman. And then his response was, why, why do, you, do need- you need to know where the eyes are if not to see if they're dilating? <laughs> and he's like, I literally just told you for the filters. It's wild out there. So is TikTok um, getting no, banned the correct- <laughs> I don't think it will be. Yeah, okay. That's my instinct. But um, no, the correct answer was D. How does Wi-Fi work? How does the cloud work? Why is my feed only teenage girls in crop tops? It was the last part that made me doubt that. That was going to be my first guess. But then the last part made me say, like, I don't know, maybe that could have been said. Well, the funny thing is, if your feed is only teenage girls in crop tops, that is because the algorithm has decided that that is what you want to see. Um, and because you've been looking at teenage girls in crop tops and, crop and, tops and the algorithm goes, oh, you like that? I got more where that came from. Okay. Number two, which of the following has Angela White, formerly known as Black China, I don't know, did she formally change it? Black China. I, which of yeah. the following... Which of the following has Black China not had removed? A, her demon tattoo. (laughs) Her facial fillers. C, her butt implants and breast implants. Or D, she has has had all of these removed. She's had all of those things removed. She has. Good job. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, 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 ding. Okay. We need sound effects for this. I know. 
There's a lot of sound effects I want. All right. This is last one is an essay question. Um, no, this is it's, it's, there's no multiple choice here. In episode five of Love is Blind, Marshall says, guys like us don't get to do this often. What activity is he referring to? In the fifth episode. So that's the last one before the break. Mm-hmm. Marshall. Okay, so Marshall is talking to Kwame and Brett. I can't remember what he was referring to when he said that. I feel like it has something to do with the pool, but it might have been with the entire experience of just dating multiple women like that on Love is Blind. He was talking about black men talking about their emotions. That's why I put that one in there for you. Uh, (laughs) We've been talking about men and emotions. Uh, that's why I put that one in there for you. That was one that was for you. Yes. Yeah, so he's talking to them. They're poolside. They're at like this one of the parties. And they're talking. That Brett's just talking about how much he loves Tiffany. And, and then Marshall goes, I like Marshall. And then he mm-hmm. goes, we don't get to do this often. And it's really good for people oh, to wow. get to do this. Yeah. I did not remember that. anyway so there's some nice representation of um, men showing feelings it is although we're gonna talk we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about love is blind later but i'm like there is and then i feel like this is just the worst batch of people that has been on this show but more on that next week next week (laughs) tune in then (laughs) Well, thanks for listening to the show this week, y'all. Again, thank you to our generous patrons at Patreon who make this show possible. And Ross is going to come with um, all our show notes and stuff and tell you where to follow us and stuff. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for choosing to listen today. You can catch up with our hosts online. Trish's is at Trish's Music. That's spelled T-R-I-S-H-E-S Music on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Andre is at the Andre Henry on Instagram and TikTok and at Andre Henry on Twitter. Catch the songs you heard today and more of their music on Spotify. If you'd like to support what we're doing here and see the video of Andre and Trisha's conversation, you can join the Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Andre Henry. Thanks again and we'll see you next time. <laughs>